We have studied the first half of the first barrack of Yeshua, which consisted of Hashem's instructions to Yeshua that he would now be the leader in place of Moshe, who had passed away, and he would bring the people into Eretz Canaan. He was commanded to be strong, to keep the Torah, to study the Torah, and so on. The second half of the parak, beginning with Pasuk Yud, deals with Yoshua, then went ahead and proceeded to give instructions to the Jewish people uh, to prepare for the entry to Eretz Canaan, to crossing the Yargit. wasn't going to happen quite yet. First, we're going to have the story of the spies Yoshua sent into Eretz Canaan, but soon, in a few days, they would be, they would be crossing the Yardin and entering Eretz Canaan, beginning the conquest of the land. So, Pasuk Yud, the Navi says, Vayitzav Yoshua Shotre Ha'am Lamer. Yoshua gave instructions to the Shotre Ha'am, to the officers. The, we'll discuss exactly what Shotrim are. The actual instructions in the next few Psukim from, from Pasuk Yud Aleph, uh, the, the next several Psukim, we're going to see what those instructions were, how to prepare for for the entry to Canaan and the battles, but the, the, the Navi introduces this by saying that Yeshua, deliver, Yeshua issued these instructions to the Shotrim. They were, the next part says, Yudalov says, Ivru of Hamachana, pass throughout the camp of the Jews, but and give these instructions, which again, we're going to see exactly what the instructions were. So Yeshua delivered the instructions through the Shotrim. What exactly are Shotrim? In modern Hebrew, we use a, a shoter as a policeman, as a, an officer, but an officer of the law, a policeman. The term shoter is kind of the lesser known, lesser, less, uh, less glamorous. I'm not sure glamorous is the right, right word, but less, um, less well known sibling of the term shofet. The parsha shoftim. It's called parsha shoftim. We have an entire sefer in Tanakh called sefer shoftim. We have a parsha called parsha shoftim. Pasha Shoftim begins, Shofetim v'shoterim. You shall have judges and officers. You shall appoint these judges and shoterim throughout your gates and all your cities and so on. Those are the instructions of setting up courts and, and, and systems of law enforcement and so on. This is the Mitzvah Say Midaraisa, appointing Shoftim, the Rambam, the Sefer Achinach, the Gaonim. This is counted as a Mitzvah Daraisa. They all say, they, they, one after another, all the, all the Gaonim and Rishonim say, the mitzvah is to appoint Shoftim and Shotrim, to appoint judges and Shotrim and officers. Shoftim get a lot more attention. The Dayanim, we have an entire Masechta of Sanhedrin, which has details about um, primarily about the Shoftim, about the judges, different types of Batei Din, courts of three, courts of 23, Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin Gedola of 71. We have a lot of discussions about the laws of the Shoftim. Shotrim don't get quite as much attention. What are Shotrim? So Rashi says, at the beginning of Pasha Shoftim, Rashi says, Shofetim v'shoterim, Shofetim are Dayana and post what we know as judges. V'shoterim, harodin esa'am achar mitzvasam, the ones who enforce the law, who compel people to follow the law. Shemakin, they, 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 they hit people if necessary. V'kofsin, they compel people. V'makal of with the staff and the, and the whip. Ajik kabla v'sadin ha-shofet. So the, the shofet, Issues the rulings and the shoter enforces rulings. The shoter doesn't uh, doesn't issue his own, make his own decisions. The, the, it's the job of the shoter to enforce the decisions of the shofet. As I said, though, halacha has much a much more robust discussion of what a shofet is, what the qualifications are, how the system of shoftim and bate didn't work. We have relatively, as far as I'm aware, relatively less, much less discussion 
of what exactly a shoter is. But as I said, the, the Moni HaMitzvahs typically say the mitzvah is to appoint shofetim and shoterim, but shofetim gets a lot more attention. In the Judaica press, Navi, in the commentary, on this pasuk of shofetim uh, v'shoterim, they say the shoterim are the executive, as distinct from the legislative and judicia, which are shofetim. So they, 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 they try to cast this, this distinction in modern, modern theory of government. We have three, three, le- three branches of government, legislative, we learn this in civics and in school, legislative, judicial, executive. Shofetim are both uh, legislative and judicial, and shoterim are executive. Now again, in, in, in the halakhic system, in the system of the Torah, if you ask you know, who is the executive, the, the, the obvious answer is the king. The, we'll discuss the king a little bit later, either today or in future shiurim, but the, the king is the obvious choice for the executive, just like the president in the United States is the chief executive. The king, I guess, is the chief executive. The shoterim are other executives. Their job is to enforce. Their job is to carry out the laws, to enforce the laws. But there, there was a period of hundreds of years before we had a king. Right. So the, so the, 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 the Jews were in Eretz Israel for hundreds of years before they had a king. That was the period of of the Shoftim, of the, the, Sefer, the Sefer of Tanakh of Shoftim. As we'll discuss again, as we'll discuss either later today or in a future share, Yoshua may have had the status of king to a certain extent. And uh, beginning with Shaul HaMelech and David HaMelech and then all the kings in Sefer Malachim, they were kings. The Shoftim were the leaders for hundreds of years before they had the kings. Shoftim, again, Shoftim literally means judges. Not exactly clear how much of their role actually was judging. The Shoftim, the way they're described in Sefer Shoftim, was, there were some kind of leaders. They they led they led military campaigns. They were they were generals in wars. They they were political leaders. They may have judged also. When it says Dvora, it says Dvora was Shofetis as Israel. The Dvora was the one woman Shofet. She was Shofetis as Israel. Tosis discusses: Can a woman be a Dayan? Most Rishonim say no. So Tosis says: Well, maybe she wasn't a Dayan. She was a leader. Maybe she taught them the din. So there, there is a debate about whether Shoftim means they actually judge or they clearly the the thrust of the Psukim is that they were general political leaders as opposed to specifically judges. But yes, there were hundreds of years where there were no kings. But again, using modern, uh, modern political terminology, they call Shoftim both uh, legislative and judici- and judicial, and they call Shotrim the executive. I don't actually know if there's any... Today, of course, the way, the way our government is designed, we have the president is the chief executive, and the executive branch is under the president. There are great constitutional fights about... Uh, about uh, there, there are radical doctrines that say the executive is answerable only to the president. Uh, the, the more I forget the name of that doctrine, the more uh, the, the, uh, the 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 executive um, executive something. It's a radical doctrine developed by conservative lawyers that the executive is only answerable to the president. More generally, we say the, exe- the executive branch is answerable to Congress as well. They, they, we have to confirm certain positions in the executive and so on. But yes, I don't know if in halacha, if the shotrim were in any way under the king, because there was no king at this point, maybe Yeshua was the king, but uh, I don't know if the shoftim were, in, a, in the modern sense, answerable to the chief executive or not, but the shotrim, as they point out, were some kind of executive in the sense that they were charged with enforcing the laws. The shoftim, they, they suggest, were both, uh, were, both the, were both legislative and judicia and judicial, and that is true to some extent. In, 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 in Talmud, in halacha, the, 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 there's a lot of blurriness between what we, what we would call judicial and legislative, making laws and interpreting laws. In halacha, these functions are often combined together. So, for example, we think of a basin, a court. We know that a basin judges, a basin rules on matters of Jewish law. 
but a basin also makes laws. The, the, the Gemara has, all over the place, the Gemara says, basin of this made this takana, they made that takana, they passed this law. We, we know that the Bate Din were, were not just what we would call judicial. Some people say modern courts make laws as well, but they're not supposed to. The Chazal freely say that Bate Din sometimes make takanas. So a basin does have a legislative function as well. But uh, in general, so that the Shoftim are roughly analogous to what we would call courts, although they may have had a, a judicial function as well, and they may have had an executive function as well, as we see in the time of the Shoftim, where they were the leaders. And the Shotrim, the, the lesser-known sibling of the Shotrim, uh, the, the Shotrim were the lesser-known sibling of the Shoftim. They were clearly some kind of enforcement arm. They, their job, as Rashi says in Pasha Shoftim, was to use force, to, to use compulsion, to uh, enforce the, the carrying out of the laws. But we don't know much about them in halacha, what exactly they were, what exactly they did, how they were appointed. We don't know that much about their, their structure. There is a famous midrashic discussion of, of Shotrim that appears in Parshas Baloscha and connected to Parshas Shmos. In Parshas Baloscha, Moshe tells Hashem that he's overwhelmed by the demands and the, the pressure of leading the Jewish people. So Hashem says, we're going to appoint... We're going to appoint uh, underlings to help, you, to help you lead the people. Hashem told Moshe, toward the end of Parshat Balos, he said, Esfali shivim ish Yisrael, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, asher yadata, people that you know, kihem zikne ha'am v'shotra. People that you know are the elders of the nation and the shotra. So again, if Shotrim were just you know, low-level enforce, enforcement officers, why was that important for them to be... Why, why did these Akanim have to be Shotrim? What, what was the significance of this? So Rashi brings a Midrash. Rashi says that when Hashem said, Rashi says, quoting Midrashim, that it means, the, the, quoting the Sifrei, it doesn't mean they were currently the Shotrim, the policemen of the Jewish people. That go, 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 go to the police station and pick out some policemen. It means the ones who shall merit, the ones who deserve and are appropriate to be the Shotrim, to be the, to be the, the elders who would, who, would run the, who would lead the Jewish people under you, they should be the ones who were Shotrim and Mitzrayim. When the Jews were forced into uh, backbreaking labor, they were Shotrim of the Jews. And these Shotrim, they had compassion. They were kind of like kapos. They were appointed by the Egyptians to, to, uh, to, force the, the, to force the Jewish rank and file to do work. They had rachmanas. Instead of, in for, instead of doing what some of the kapos did of uh, br- using their power to brutalize their Jewish brethren, they did the opposite. They, they were Moser Nefesh to, to, to go easy on the Jewish people. They, they, they would not force them to work. If they, if they, they, they would let them go. They would have compassion on them. And they suffered for it. They were beaten. The Egyptians beat the Jews. The Egyptians had a diabolical system where they would try to get the divide the Jews among and, and, and turn them against each other by having Jewish shotrim who would force the Jewish laborers to work. But the Jewish shotrim were tzaddikim. They were compassionate and they, they refused to do it. They refused to force the Jews to do the impossibly difficult work they were assigned, and they therefore were beaten. Then, where is this mentioned in the pasuk? Because it says, where it says, "Shenemar vayuku shotrei bnei Yisrael." It says the Shotre B'nai Yisrael were beaten, so now, in reward, in, uh, they get what they deserve, just as they were with the Jews, they, 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 they supported them in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in those incredibly difficult times, now they deserve to be the ones to lead them in better times. This is a reference to a pasuk in, toward the end of Parashat 
it says that Paro began to ratchet up the demands when Moshe and Aaron came to Paro. When Hashem sent them to Paro, Paro began to ratchet up the demands on the Jewish people. And he increased, he increased the... He said, you, you have to get your own straw, but the quotas of bricks remain the same. And it says they began to work. They began to do this incredibly, increasingly difficult amount of work. So, so the Nogsim, Rashi says, they were Matrim. They were Egyptian overseers. So the, the Nogsim, the Egyptian overseers, began to push the Jews and say, you are the boss. Paro said, produce the same amount of bricks. Get your own straw. Get moving. So, so, so the, so the Nogsim um, were, uh, were, were pushing them to do it. And or earlier it says, So the Nogsim and the Shotrim began to push them to work. So it says, the Noksim, it says, would push the Jews to work, and they would say, fill your quotas. And then it says, So the Pasuk says that the Noksim Paro, the Egyptian overseers, the way Rashi explains consistently, they began, they, they caused the Shotrim in Israel, those were, those were the Jewish Shotrim. Shotrim were the Jewish uh, overseers, so the Noksim were the Egyptian overseers, and they were in charge of the Jewish Shotrim, who were the Jewish overseers. So the Noxim, everyone was, everyone was supposed to delegate downward. Paro told, Paro told his Noxim, get them to work. The Noxim would tell the Shotrim, get your people to work. And the Shotrim was supposed to then force the Jewish laborers to work. But uh, the Shotrim said, no, we're not doing this. So, so, so the Noxim would push the Shotrim. The Shotrim said, no, we're, we're not going to brutalize our brethren. And Vayuku Shotrim in Israel, the Shotrim in Israel, the Jewish Shotrim were, were punished for this. They were beaten for their refusal to enforce Paro's cruel orders. And the, the, they were beaten because the Noxi Paro said, That uh, how come you're not doing it? The Pasuk says, So these Jewish Shotrim, they cried out to Paro, This is not fair. You're not giving us straw and you're telling us to work and we're being beaten and this is terrible. So they, they tried to get Paro to, uh, to, 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 to relieve them a little bit. Paro said, No. Paro said, You're lazy. You, you, you have these fantasies about going out and. Uh, and then working, it says, The Shotrim saw how, um, how much pressure was being put on the Jews. They complained bitterly to Moshe and Aaron. They met Moshe and Aaron. They said, May Hashem judge between us. So these Shotrim were, were leaders of the Jewish people. They were Jewish leaders, according to Rashi, according to the Midrash. They were put in a, in a desperate, impossible situation. Either, either, either they, they, they should either brutalize their Jewish brethren or they would be brutalized by Paros Noxim. They chose the honorable path. They, they, they chose the path of compassion and sympathy with their fellow Jews. They were beaten. They, 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 they complained to Paro. They complained to Moshe. But, but at the end of the day, they did what... They, they, they chose the right course. They chose the noble path. And they, they let themselves get beaten rather than beat the Jews. And therefore, now and now in Parshas... Uh, when it came time to choose Jews who would, who would lead their the position of honor and responsibility to lead the fellow Jews, it was the, 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 the choice was to be from those Jews who had suffered and had been most nefesh for their fellow Jews. They were the ones who were now going to be uh, leaders of the Jewish people. So again, in that sense, Shotrim doesn't mean they were, they were the regular policemen appointed by Al-Pi Al-Acha. They were, these were the Shotrim appointed by Paro. But in general, the, the, the mitzvah of Parsha Shoftim is Shoftim v'Shotrim Titein Lecha, you shall appoint Shoftim and Shotrim. And uh, again, I'm not aware of that much discussion of what these Shotrim actually were, but it was their job to carry out the, the orders of the basement. 
throughout throughout the shots, we do have references to the Gemara. Often, the Gemara just doesn't usually use the word shoter. The Gemara often refers to the shaliach based in the agent of based in. It, it talks about the agent of based in to give malchus, the agent of based in to carry messages. Uh, based in had agents, obviously, who based in wouldn't do everything themselves. Basin had agents, and at least some of these agents may have been Shotrim, but we don't really find much of a formal discussion of the position of Shotrim, of what they did, what exactly what their responsibilities were. But here in Yeshua, it says that when, that when Yeshua had to issue his instructions to the Jewish people to enter Eretz Canaan, he conveyed the instructions by speaking to the Shotrim, and the Shotrim's orders were to, to, uh, to, to travel throughout this before they had electronic communication, so that they, they had to hand out these messages uh, personally. So the, the Shotrim's job was here was to was to convey Yoshua's orders to the Jewish people. So what were these orders? So the Rashi says, by the way, right over here, Vayitzav Yoshua. This was the day that the the Bechi Evel Moshe, the, the the weeping and the mourning for Moshe was over. Moshe died on Zion Adar. This is thirty days later. So this was the beginning of Adar. Yoshua began to give these instructions to enter Eretz Kedat. So what was the so what were the instructions? Pasukid Aleph, Ivru Bekerav The Shotrim were to spread out to, to travel throughout the, the camp of the Jews. and command the Jews as follows: prepare provisions for yourselves, pack, get ready. in three days. you're going to cross the Jordan. you're going to inherit and possess. The land that Hashem your God is giving to you to inherit. So, what exactly is tzeda? So tzeda, we say today, it's a common expression of the yeshiva world. Tzeda laderach, provisions for the way. People today, sorry, bagels and cream cheese. Bagels and cream cheese, right? The so people today commonly use tzeda to refer to food, and that is indeed what tzeda often means. Tzeda often means food. The mafarshim have a discussion here. If tzeda means food, the Jews were actually still eating mud. We're going to see later in Yeshua the, the discussion of when they stopped eating the mud. The Jews still had the mud. The mud may have stopped falling. They still had, uh, they still had uh, uh, collections of mud. But the Jews were still eating the mud. So what exactly were they packing up here? Were they packing up mud? Were they packing up uh, carrots? What were they packing up here? So Rashi says that, that the, the word tzeda, kol davar at tzarech lederech, Anything you need on the road or weapons for war, he told them to prepare. Because if you say it means food, which is the kind of the standard or obvious meaning of the word, they had mon. They had the mon may not have fallen anymore, but they still had mon in their uh, in their in their utensils until Tezai and Benison. I guess you could learn it means pack up that mon, but okay. They, apparently, there's not much packing to do. They just had the mon, so they, they, that wouldn't have been the reference of Tzeda. And the man didn't cease till later, so they, they still had man, so therefore the Tzeda Rashi learns cannot refer to food. Therefore Rashi says that in the broader sense, Tzeda can refer to any type of provisions, including, including uh, military equipment, anything you need on the road, maybe, uh, maybe saddles for the horses, maybe, you know... Aren't there sukin, aren't there sukin further on that say that they ate roasted grain or something? Uh, Klaus, right. They, they, they ate the, it's going to say later, they ate from the, from the land of Canaan. <coughs> right, so we'll have to see when they began to do that. So, so it sounds like they, they, they weren't doing that yet. They began to eat the, from the produce of Eretz Canaan when they entered Eretz Canaan. 
And this is right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly yet what day that was. But the way Rashi learned here, right, it wasn't food because they had the mun for now, and later they would have the food of Eretz Canaan. So they weren't actually going to be packing suitcases full of uh, ready-to-eat meals and, uh, and, 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 and pack, packaged snacks and so on, cans of food. So they were, they were going to be eating mun until they started eating the, 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 the grain of Eretz Canaan. So the packing, Rashi says, was other things, other things they needed for the trip and for the war. So they had weapons and stuff they needed on the road, stuff for the wagons, I guess, you know, spare, you know, patch the tire, kits to patch the tires, oil changes and so on, whatever they needed for their wagons, horses, and uh, clothing maybe for the road, you know, sunscreen, whatever they needed back, back, for the, back for the travel. That's how Rashi learns that was the Tzay de la Dera. Other Mepharshim learn also that all the, the Mepharshim generally acknowledge this point that, they, that the food and mun they had, that they, weren't, they didn't need to pack the bread. Radak says, what does Tzedah mean? Pirush mine machalam zulasi halechem. Mun was essentially bread. There are Madrashim that say that mun had all kinds of nutritional qualities. Mun could taste like any food. Some of the Madrashim imply that mun had the nutritional profiles of other foods. But al pipshuto on a simple level that uh, the, the Torah calls man lechem in Hashemayim, bread from heaven. Al Pipchuto, the man was a kind of bread-like substance. It was nafshenu katsa balechem haklokel. We had this, I think, in uh, yesterday's parsha. They said nafshenu katsa balechem haklokel. Man was a kind of bread. So just like just like when we eat, we have bread, we have bagels, but we don't eat just bagels. We also have uh, cream cheese and cheese and and cantaloupe, and we have uh, vegetables, and carrots, and eggs, we have a lot of other things besides bread. So too, the Jews, they ate mun, but they also ate other things as well. So the Radak says that the tzedah over here is pirish minim achalim zulasi alechem, other types of food besides bread. They still had mun, he says, like Rashi, the, the mun actually still fell. As long as the, the Rashi said they had mun shabit kaleh, maybe we'll discuss the, the different shittas of mun. I haven't looked into this yet, we'll discuss maybe exactly when the mun stopped, but they, they had mun, whether left in their vessels, or Still falling until Machras of Pesach, until the until the the, the day after Pesach, or he said that then he brings Chazal. He says according to Chazal, say that the man stopped falling on, when, when Moshe died back in Zion Adar. So he brings the other thing that Rashi says that they had man, they, they collected the man that fell, and that even though normally the man didn't last to the next day, the man spoiled when they left it overnight. Just like Arab Shabbos, it lasted for an extra day. Here also, the Chazal say the man stopped falling. But the month still lasted in their in their in their kalim for uh, for another month until Tezayin Benisa, the day after the first day of the Yom of Pesach. So either way, they had money. Either they either the month kept falling, or according to Chazal, they had money in their kalim. So they weren't packing money. What they were packing was, according to the Red Doctor, according to Rashi, they were packing equipment and uh, ne- other other non-food necessities for the road. According to the Red Doctor, they were packing other types of food. They were packing uh, food that went along with bread. To have a balanced, uh, balanced diet and uh, and uh, and a variety of foods, the Matudas David says, even though the, they still ate man, they had mipriha dama, they had vegetables, they had other types of uh, produce. Where do they get these vegetables from? So he brings tagreyakum. That the, we find this in different midrashim, I think, and other places that the Jews, besides all the the man that they ate throughout the desert, they also had other types of foods that were brought to them by merchants, by non-Jewish merchants. Who would bring them in? I guess from nearby, nearby settlements, nearby agricultural, uh, agricultural, nearby agriculture. They would bring them produce, uh, so, so they had those foods as well. So that's what they were packing up. So they were packing up. To, so they, so they were supposed to pack up uh, the tzedah laderach, whatever exactly the tzedah was. The Farshim discuss exactly what ba'od shloshes yama means. Ralbag says it means 
not counting that day, that uh, not counting this day, three more days, when three more days have passed, uh, that's when they would finally cross the, cross the Yarden. So Matudas David says that, he's also, also discussing the chronology, he says that we know that they, the next paragraph, they're going to send the Miraglim. The Haftarah we read where they sent, uh, Yeshua sent two Miraglim, to, to, they, they, they spent the night in the house of Rachel Azona, then they, in that story it says that the Miraglim spent the night in Yericho and in the mountains, and then, and then the mountains, they were three days. It says that she, they, they, they closed the gates and they, they, they stayed overnight and hidden in her house, and then, then they spent three days hiding in the mountains while the heat, uh, the, the pursuit for them cooled down, and then they... Uh, and then they returned from the mountain. They spent one more night, and then, uh, and then, they, and then, and then, and then they spent the night by the Arden. So there was still a good few days before they, before they, before they actually crossed the Arden. So this command of three days were crossing the Arden actually happened later. The Matudas David says it's a little bit out of order. It happened, uh, even though it was said now, the, it actually happened later after the after the sending of the miracle that we're going to read about in the next paragraph. Okay, but in a few days, whatever this commandment actually was, however exactly you calculate the three days. In three more days, in three more days, you're going to cross the Yarden, you're going to enter Eretz Canaan, and the land that Hashem is giving you. Now the Pesukim go on, and Moshe now, uh, Yeshua, now has a discussion for the, for the rest of the parak with the... These were the basic instructions that he gave to all of Kali. They're all packed, get ready, we're entering Eretz Canaan. The rest of the parak he, uh, he has a conversation specifically with the tribes of Reuven and Gud and, and half of Menashe. They were the tribes that had asked, Reuven and Gud at least, had asked for the, to, to receive their inheritance on the east side of the Yardin. Back, back, in, back in, next, in a few weeks, we're going to read this parasha in the, in, in the end of Bamidbar. So they, they said, after they conquered Og Melchabashan and, and uh, Sichon Melech Amari, and it says that those lands were good for cattle, so, so, so Reuven and Gud asked to receive their portion on that side of the Yardin. Moshe was initially very concerned. He says, you're going to destroy the morale of the people by saying you want, that you don't want to come in. He thought they were going to stay home and not fight, apparently. They, they were done with the war. They, they, that's, not, that's not good. That's not, that's, not, that's not appropriate. They said, no, no, we're happy to fight. We're, we'll, 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 we'll travel with the Jewish people. We'll, we'll, we'll fight to the vanguard of the army, Chalutim, Navar, at the head of the Jewish people. We'll fight. We'll, 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 we're brave. We, we're not trying to get out of fighting. We're happy to fight. We just want this land. So we'll, we'll leave our women and children and animals behind. We'll cross the Arden with you and fight with you. And then when everything is done, when, 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 we, when we win the wars, then we'll go back and settle in the east part of the Arden. So now Yoshua is going to remind these, 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 two, these two and a half tribes, Reuven, Gud, and half of Menashe, He's going to remind them of the deal that they had made with Moshe, and they're going to agree. They, they said, yes, absolutely, we, we have every intention of honoring our deal, which they did. So the Pasuk says, Pasuk Yudbeis, To Ruvain and to God and to half the tribe of Menashe, Amr Yeshua Lamar, he issued the, he made the following statements. Zachar, Pasuk Yudgimel, Zachar es hadavar asher tziva eschem Moshe ever Hashem. Remember the, the matter that Moshe commanded you, Moshe, the servant of Hashem. We pointed out throughout Perak Aleph, Moshe keeps being referred to as Eved Hashem. There were other great biblical figures who are referred to as Eved Hashem, but Moshe probably the most often is referred to as Eved Hashem. Hashem refers to him like that. Yeshua refers to him like that. So remember he said the, the matter that Moshe Eved Hashem commanded you, Lamar. Hashem Elokeichem, Maniach Lechem, Benos Lechem, Eretz Azos. 
that yes, Hashem gave you this land and He gave you menucha, He gave you rest in this land. However, you're not done yet. If you want to keep this land, you have to do as follows. Your women, your wives, your little children, your, your animal, your cat, your animals, your cattle. They can stay behind. They're not going to be of much use fighting a war. No reason to drag them into Eretz Canaan. So they can all stay behind in the conquered lands that, that, that they captured Bever Yardin. But Vatem, you, the men, the fighting men, you shall travel Chamushim. We'll discuss what that means in a moment. At the head of your brethren, before your brethren, Kol Gibari Achayel, all the all the warriors, all the men of valor, the the, the strong and uh, capable fighters, Vazartemosam, and you shall and you shall help them. So, what exactly what exactly is the word what exactly is the word Chamushim? So, so 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 Chamushim generally means. Rashi says in Pasuk Rashi says, you will travel. Rashi, had, Rashi says, all the heroes among you, that will tra- they will travel chalutzim, uh, pioneers, the, the, the ones who travel in the front. In the Hamushim means, uh, means armed. We have, we have this word in, I don't want to remember if discussed it here, but the, but the word appears in the beginning of Pasha's Peshalach. It says, it says, when the Jews left Egypt, so it says, says over there that the second passage in Bashalach it says Hashem caused the Jewish people to turn by the way of the desert to the Yamsuf they, they left Mitzrayim they exited Mitzrayim what does Chamushim mean? so here Rashi brings a couple of Pshatim the first Pshat is Ein Chamushim Elamazuyanim from the Machilta that the that they were they were armed they were they were prepared and they, they had the stuff they needed they were armed. Rashi brings another pshat that Rashi brings another pshat that chamushim means echad mechamisha one out of five that four fifths eighty percent of the Jews died during Machas Choshech and these were the chamushim these were the fifth the fifth that remained left Mitzrayim. That's, I think, more of a midrash. But the first pshat, which Rashi says, the Targum learns this way, that the, that the Targum says, that the Targum says, the, Chamush, the Targum says for Chamushim, the Targum says, umizarzin, umizarzin. So the, the word zar is zeros. The Targum says, vayarek eschanichav, when Avram prepared his men to, to rescue Lot, to, to battle against the, the armies of the four kings. It says, vayarek eschanichav, So vizaris means he prepared, armed, uh, equipped, uh, prepared for battle, prepared for business. That's v'chamushim. That would seem to be the, the pshuta shel mikra, and that is apparently what chamushim means here as well. That you're going to travel chamushim, prepared, equipped, armed, uh, at the head of your brethren. Kol gibari achayel, all the all the, the the fighting men, all the men of valor. Again, the women and children stayed behind, but all the all the gibari achayel are going to are going to uh, fight at the head of the Jewish people. And and Yeshua continued to remind them: your the agreement is the deal we have we have with you is. You're going to do this. You're going to continue fighting for us. You're going to, you're going to lead the people in battle. Until Hashem, you're going to keep fighting until Hashem gives your your brethren relief. Until they they dominate and destroy the opposition in Eretz Canaan, Kachem, just like you have your Zochah ready, Sichon and Og were destroyed. You have peace and, and tranquility. Nobody's bothering you in Eretz Canaan. You have to keep fighting for the Jewish people until they achieve that level of 
security and and uh, and uh, repose as well. The Yarshu Gamhema Sarat, they too will inherit as a Arat, Asher Hashem Lokechem, no Sein Lehem, the land that Hashem is giving to them. Then after that, after you will have fulfilled your your duty, you will have you will have held up your end of the bargain. At that point, you can leave. You you can you can uh, depart from your brethren. You can return to the land of your inheritance. And you will inherit it. Again, Moshe Eved Hashem that He gave you. On the other side of the Yarden, Mizrach Hashemesh means east. The term Avera Yardin, we, 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 we're used to saying that Avera Yardin is the east side of the Yardin, and the west side of the Yardin is Eretz Canaan proper. Avera Yardin just means the side of the Yardin. So, Shnegidot La Yardin, Ha'achad Shalanu, Harishon, Hashani Gamkain was an old Zionist song. There are two sides of the Yardin. I never heard that. And yeah, there are two sides. I think it was a Jabotinsky song, maybe, I'm not sure. But there are two sides of the Yardin, and Avera Yardin is a little bit ambiguous. We're used to using Avera Yardin to mean the east side. Here, the, the, the Navi specifies. Here, the Navi specifies. Avera Yardin, Mizrach Hashemesh. You're going to go back to your side of the Yardin, the east side of the Yardin, Mizrach Hashemesh, where the sun shines, where the sun rises. That's the you know, Japan is called the land of the rising sun. It's the, the land to the east, the land where the off to the east where the sun rises. So this is the, the the land of the rising sun, the Avera Yardin of the rising sun. That's to the east. That's where we, we use the word Mizrach to refer to east in general. Obviously, Mizrach derives from, the, is a short form of the expression, Mizrach HaShamesh, where the, where the sun shines. The sun shines all over, it shines across the sky, but obviously that means where the sun begins to shine, where the sun rises, that is in the, that is in the east. So the, that, this is all what Yoshua told the, this is all what Yoshua told the, 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 the tribes of God, Reuven, and Hapha Menasha. Vayanu es Yoshua Lamar, they answered Yoshua as follows, Everything we absolutely agree, we absolutely accept, we are, we are fully intending to hold up the, the, the bargain. Everything you have commanded us, we will do. Anywhere you send us, anywhere you send us, we will go. They bring from some of Farshim here that not just the, the basic war we committed to fight, we're not just going to fight the basic conquest of Eretz Canaan, which we discussed, any additional missions, any instructions you have for us, any, any, we're yours to command, any mission you send us on, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we listen to everything Moshe said, we, have, we are transferring our allegiance to you, so too will we listen to you, we'll do everything that you are telling us to do. Rock, the only condition we have, the only thing we stipulate is, may Hashem, your God, be with you, Kasher Hayyim Moshe, as he was with Moshe, and then they, the final thing they said, the last pasuk in, in Perak Aleph, which we'll discuss, I think, in more detail next time. The last pasuk in, in the Perak is Kol Ish Any man who rebels, who disobeys your instructions, and does not listen Lo does not listen to your orders. To anything that you command him, anyone who disobeys you in any matter, you must, he shall die. Only, again, we reiterate, only, well, before they said, now they say, but you shall be strong. This pasuk of you must, this pasuk is the, the source of the, 
that we'll discuss this in the next share. This is near Hashem. This is the source of the idea of Morid b'Malchus Tzayef Misa. That if someone rebels, if someone rebels against uh, rebels against a, a an order of a king, he, he's Tzayef Misa. We'll see an important exception of Rachazak Vemat. An important exception for orders that go against the Torah. Again, as, as we mentioned once or twice earlier, not exactly clear what Yeshua's status was. He, Yeshua was the leader. He wasn't. He's not, he not described explicitly as a king. He's not described explicitly as a shofet. He was obviously the leader for the, this pivotal period in Jewish history. But we'll see. Apparently, Chazal understood that he had the status of a king, and that uh, and that his orders uh, had the status of the orders of a king. And those who disobeyed him, this is what this is what the people of Shev Shvatim of God, Reuven and Menashe, were saying. I think Mar assumes this is actually the halacha, that uh, people who disobeyed his orders were chayef misa, the way people who disobey the orders of a king are chayef misa.